Hello, this is Christy Kendall with the Align Yourself to Success podcast. And around here, our passion and purpose is to empower entrepreneurs to extraordinary profit through highest level transformation. When you begin with your mind and alignment, you are limitless and you are powerful. Today we have with us Cindy Holbrook, the visibility whiz, and she is going to teach us how to stop playing hide and seek. So welcome. Thank you, Christy. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so share with us a little bit about how you came to this place where you can help people to be visible, because that is definitely a key to success. People have to know you exist. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, When I started coaching back in 2009, um, I, you know, everybody was saying, you have to go and speak, you have to go to places and speak in person in order to get clients. I was working... 50, 60, 70 hours a week in social services. And I lived literally 90 miles from anywhere. Oh, no. And so I was like, there's no way I was going to drive 100 miles and speak and then drive back home whenever I was working so many hours in social services. I had started my first online business in 2001. So I had a lot of knowledge about how the internet worked and how to get seen. So I utilized all of my knowledge to get seen and to get clients. I was able to leave social services in 2011. And then I started going to a lot of networking events. At that time, I was a divorce coach. So I started in 2009 as a divorce coach. And when I went to networking events, other coaches would go, gee, Cindy J, how'd you get on Huffington Post Live twice? How did you get on prevention? How did you get any harmony? How did you, um, you know, get on um, on Fox, right? How did you get on the homepage of MSN? Can you show me how to do it? So I started coaching other coaches to get the same visibility that I had got without spending money on ads. Um, I have been, like I said, a coach since 2009. I have spent less than $5,000, $6,000 most on advertising, it's all through organic ways of being visible online, uh, utilizing various channels, including social media. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I love divine timing and organic process. (laughs) Sounds like exactly what that was. I I left the divorce coaching, um, toyed around for like a little while, like, what do I want to do? And I was speaking with my coach and I was sharing something that really bothered me. She goes, oh, you want to help people with your, their visibility. And so thus the visibility part of my career was uh, born. So I became known as Cindy J, the visibility whiz. And so I've been helping people with visibility ever since then. I don't like spending a lot of money on advertising. I mean, you know, there's a little bit, but whenever you go into Facebook ads, YouTube ads, LinkedIn ads, any of the other ads out there, there's a very intricate part of doing it to where you're making money. I have yet to really feel that it was worth my time or effort. Most of the people I know that are really rocking it pay really good money for somebody else to do the advertising for them. And it can get very costly. I had a client once when she came to me, she had been working with somebody else who told her she had to advertise on Facebook. She had been in business for six months. She had spent $8,000 in Facebook ads and she had 500 people on her list and zero clients. The first thing I had her do was stop the Facebook ads and just, you know, I, we worked together. I shared the different strategies with her to get visible online. And within three months, she had three paying clients, three high end paying clients um, just with organic things. And so she still is thriving. Uh, utilizing a lot of the strategies that I shared with her. I don't think she's ever gone back to Facebook ads. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you on that. Mm -hmm. So before you get into the good juicy hows and what it's all about and all the good stuff, I'm going to pull a card. These are the and cards and they just start our conversation with depth and soul and some vulnerability. So the card that I pulled for you is what are we learning from one another? 
What aren't we learning from one another is a better question. I believe every single interaction we have with another human being, with animals, with nature teaches us something. Um, I believe that wholeheartedly. So I don't, you know, we all have knowledge that we can share with somebody else. And I have never met a person that I could not learn something from. Yeah, I love that. It's just a matter of having to open a heart and an open mind. Mm -hmm. And be visible so you can, people can see you. Right, being visible. (laughs) One of the things, and and it's because you said, what are we learning from one another? Now, I know it's uh, a lot of us, we, we lack focus. You know, we really lack focus as people and to really just be able to hone in on something. My uh, youngest grandson, he's very high functioning autistic, but when he was little, I remember I used to always be amazed just watching him, how he would just tune everything else out and focus on exactly what he was doing. And um, and I learned so much is like just all peaceful and, and he wanted things, you know, a certain ways, very interesting, like he used to like to line up all of his dominoes. But if I turned one of the dominoes around, he would catch it just like that. Or uh, if you gave him a bag of Skittles, he liked Skittles. He would pour out all the Skittles and he would line them all up by color, right? And and I just used to always be so amazed watching him. It's like, how does his little mind work with doing all these things? Um, and so... Again, it's like we can learn something from anybody, uh, whether it be, you know, a child. I've learned a lot from children. You watch children play and interact. It's like, you know, how they can do be doing their own thing. They welcome each other or they don't welcome each other. But you take any kid on the playground, they're usually going to find somebody else to play with them, whether they know them or not. You know, they're not a, they're not as afraid of being rejected as we are as adults. That's so true. And you'll hear them say, hey, you want to play with me? Can mm-hmm. I play with you? They just, they do. They ask and they just try right okay. And so I believe every one of us as business owners, our business is our playground. So we get to choose what playground, what play equipment we're putting on that playground. And we get to choose who we're going to play with on that playground. Yeah, that's, I love it. You want to play with me? We're playing podcast. We are playing together. We are. See, I let you into my playground and you let me into yours. Yeah. And it's been great and fun. And I'm, and, and, and we're bringing all of our communities along to play with us. Yes. Yes. And I love, you know, before we got on this call, we, you had shared with me your concept of worthiness connected to success. And you have a book called dark family secrets, overcoming Um, dark family secrets, overcoming them. So I am, before you get into, you know, actually like teaching us something, share with us how worthiness is connected to success and what do dark family secrets have to do with worthiness? <laughs> well, first of all, worthiness has everything to do with success because what we feel about ourselves and what we believe internally is has so much to do with how we play the game, how we show up, what we do and what we don't do. And so worthiness, I think, is a key to being successful because we need to feel worthy enough to teach somebody else. We need to feel worthy enough to show up authentically. We need to feel worthy enough to ask people for money. We need to feel worthy enough to accept and receive that money. We need to feel worthy enough that, you know, to be worthy, and even if it's not per se money, we have to feel worthy of that job promotion. We have to feel worthy of even having a job, right? It's like even, you know, my very first job, like really was at a convalescent home, but I had to feel worthy enough that, hey, I could do the job and that they would accept me and be a part of it. Anybody that's ever, um, you know, been fired from a job knows that that's a very unworthy type feeling. So, I grew, I did not grow up in the Leave it to Beaver home in any way, shape, or form. My father was very abusive, sexually, physically, and mentally. Uh, I um, 
And so I grew up in that environment, really believing I was also sexually abused by two family friends. So I really believed that I had no worth, that my life was not my life. And it was just because of everything that happened to me. On the positive side, I had my mother, who even though she was controlled like that's by my father, something inside of her knew that it was wrong and wanted better for me. So she used to always tell me, don't ever depend upon a man to support you. And she always told me that I could change the world. I could be and do and have anything I wanted. Um, it took me a lot of years to per se really grasp that, but I did have that positive influence, always trying to show me a different way. Uh, my mother never found a different way, which is probably one of the reasons why it took me so long to find my other path. In a three-year period, and then at 18, I got married to a man much like my father minus the sexual abuse. So I just went on with my life, letting the men in my life control me and do anything and everything they wanted me to do because that's why I was born, just to be an object to these men and do exactly what they wanted, to talk when I was allowed, to say what I was supposed to say, when I was supposed to say it, and not to say other stuff. Um, so after there's a three-year period, my mother died in this period, but I had a hysterectomy and I was at 30. I was going through severe depression just from the instant menopause. It really screwed with my mind. My, um, my mother died. My father died. My grandmother died. My brother-in-law got murdered. Um, my grandmother-in-law died. And I had several aunts and uncles die. And just there's like, I think eight or nine deaths in my family in a three-year period. Plus during that period, one week after my mother died, my ex-husband said, I don't love you anymore, but I'm going to stay with you for the kids, which made my life more miserable. And my teenage daughter got involved with gangs. So I was a total basket case. I was sad, depressed, definitely did not feel worthy in any way, shape or form. And uh, I was very suicidal. I got a new job and I always called this lady my first coach. She told me, she said, Cindy, your life is your choice. I said, what the hell are you talking about, lady? Nobody in their right mind is going to choose to live what I'm living right now. Nobody. And she's just like, well, you can choose how you think about it. And she started asking me. My ex-husband, Earl, he would threaten me, say he was going to leave me and the kids penniless. And I was used to living off of his 80K a year income, not my 10K a year income. So I was like, how am I going to raise two teenagers on my income, right? But uh, she would ask me, what would you do if Earl really did leave you penniless? How would you raise your kids? Where would you live? Who would take care of your cars? How would you do this? How would you do that? And not that I realized what she was doing at the time, but she was really helping me to envision a different life. Um, and then she bought me Tony Robbins tapes and she told me books to read. And this started me on my own self-help, self-healing journey. I never could have died, uh, healed while my mom was alive. But a lot of it was I started understanding and learning how what all these people did to me had nothing to do with me or who I was. You know, it had everything to do with them and who they were. But I also learned that even though all these terrible things happened to me, I 100% had the capability of rewriting the internal story I was telling myself. Naturally, I couldn't go back in the past and stop my father from abusing me, but I could rewrite my perceptions and my feelings about what he did, which did not make me be unworthy. I was not unworthy. That's not why I suffered the abuse. It was because my father was a very sick man. And so I started, you know, really started learning how to love myself and embrace myself. It was very, um, then it gave, gave me the courage to leave my first husband. And within a year, I met my current husband. Current husband is total night and day for my first husband. But this was in the late 90s. And the newest buzzword, which we're also very used to now, but the newest buzzword at that time was mental abuse. And now I worked in social services, right? So I was very in tune with a lot of stuff. 
But I was like, mental abuse does not exist. That's the biggest bunch of hogwash I've ever heard. And I just didn't believe it. So I'd been dating my husband about six months. We went to a park. We went to a uh, fast food place and got these 32 ounce sodas. We went to a park and we're drinking these sodas, just talking. And I spilled my soda all over Mike's truck. So Mike jumps out of the truck, grabs some rags out of the back and starts cleaning it up. I curled up into a ball on the passenger side and started rocking and chanting, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mike looked at me with the most confused look that I've ever seen in my life and said, baby, you have nothing to be sorry about. And I started sobbing. Mike sat in that wet, sticky seat for three hours while I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. It's then that I realized that I had been mental abused and I was so far into the forest that I couldn't see the trees. And a lot of people, including me before this incident, a lot of people think, yeah, I've been physically abused or sexually abused, but I've never been mentally abused. I've taken polls on this and it's amazing, amazing to me how many people think they've been physically or sexually abused, but not mentally abused. I, I don't think it's possible because it's the mental abuse gives us all this internal dialogue. We're not worthy. We're, you know, we're somehow bad because these people are doing these bad things to us or saying these bad things to us. Or, you know, my teacher told me that, um, you know, I wasn't a good writer or that I was cheating when I wasn't, you know, I, these are things that I've heard different people say. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's very interesting, the different cues we pick up from people. So worthiness, I think, has everything to do. Number one, um, I had to, I believe wholeheartedly, you can only build your business as fast as you grow yourself. So therefore, I had to face like a lot and overcome a lot of the trauma I endured in order to be successful, because I had to believe in myself. I had to believe that I was worthy of success, that I was worthy of teaching people. I had to believe that I had something of value, which all of those things were stripped away from me as a child, because my father was definitely the very dominant one in our household. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. you know, I, I can definitely see worthiness connected to success in, mm -hmm. in myself, <clears throat> in my clients, in family and friends and mm -hmm. everything else. Um, I appreciate the context that you put to that and how deep it is. You know, self-esteem is the inner peace, but it's developed in our childhood Mm -hmm. from how we're treated and so it's so twisty in there to really heal self that deep wound that damages our self-esteem when we're mentally or physically or sexually abused yes it, and it doesn't my... really ever go away it's just something we have to practice with tools and consistency yeah. and positivity and surrounding mm -hmm. ourselves with high vibrational people Exactly. And, and, you know, a lot of it is rewriting the past, uh, putting a new context on it. Um, because we, when we stay stuck in the past, that's what sticks us in victims. I do not like being called a survivor. Uh, and I tell people this all the time, don't tell them I'm a sexual abuse survivor. I'm a child abuse survivor, anything else. Because to me, if I'm a survivor, I'm still allowing the people that hurt me to win to be a part of my life. So I choose to be a winner in life. I like that. And, uh, and that's why I always tell people, I'm not a survivor. I am a winner in life. I choose to be a winner in life because I don't want to give all these people, you know, I, I gave them enough of my mind the first 35 years of my life. I'm not going to give them my mind now. Um, and this is where my book's a little bit different because I do, I do share very intimately, all of the abuse that I endured. And it's very difficult for some people to read um, uh, because it does trigger a lot of people. But so many books on abuse end when the abuse ends, but that's not the end of the story. So I also lead you through the painful healing as well as the not so painful healing that I did. And uh, I give you exercises to do to help you heal yourself. Um, 
And as always, and I always like making the disclaimer, it's not meant to be mental advice. This is what's worked for me. Maybe it will work for you, but always seek the advice of a mental health or medical health person uh, whenever you do things. Yeah. And I'll, you know, <laughs> so a lot of people, a lot of us that are winners at life, I'm, I love that. I'm going to use it from now on. I'll never use the word survivor again. Mm-hmm. Um, but those of us who are winners at life, um, the reason we're in the healing space is because we have sought traditional Western medicine or Western therapy mm-hmm. modalities and they didn't work for us. And so we're here seeking deeper spiritual understanding and mm-hmm. awareness and using tools like mm-hmm. hypnosis and theta healing and NLP and emotional, you know, all these modalities that right are not your standard traditional Western. So yeah. I, I do appreciate you saying, you know, go see a mental health therapist or yeah. what, a mental health, but we all have, have, we've done it. And it, that's why we're here. And I love your message and thank you for sharing. Yeah. You're very welcome. Yes. That's what I want. I want more winners in life. That's how it used to be winners in life, especially working in social services. And maybe this is why I started saying that is there so many people that couldn't get out of it, that were really did not know how to change their mindset or what to do to move forward. And they would say that they were sexual abuse survivors or, or rapist survivors or, you know, child abuse or whatever, but they were not living a happy, fulfilled life. And that's what I want for everybody. I, you know, my mission is I would love to reach millions of people especially women but there's a lot of men out there too that are really don't feel worthy because of their own abuse you know they they deal with things differently than women but you know my brother was one of them he could he never healed he never healed um and it affects you in so many different ways but if you're saying you're a survivor you're still giving that person power and i i chose that i want 100 power over my life and what happens to me Um, as much as I can get naturally, there's things none of us can do. I had COVID earlier this year and I almost died. But when I was in the hospital, I had two doctors, a male doctor and a female doctor. And they both told me that I lived because of my positive mindset. They both told me that, uh, because they both told me that people went into that hospital half as sick as me and just thought they were going to die and just gave up and died where, you know, I, I was like everything positive. I thanked everybody that came into the room. I was so very grateful for everybody that helped me and did anything. I had my husband bring in my rose quartz crystal and, um, and I hung it up on the doctor medical where he did. I always say, I, but like I was stuck in bed He hung it up on the doctor board. So if I was having, when I was having difficulty breathing, which was often during the day, I would focus on it, right? So I was bringing in everything that I could. And what really totally interested me, I found so, it was a nice compliment to me. But three days before I got out of ICU, a nurse's assistant came into the room and she just sort of looked around this ICU room and goes, wow, there's so much positive energy in here. And that was such a compliment to me because I knew it was my mindset and I was listening to singing bowls. That's just about what was on my phone all day, all night long, healing singing bowls and being thankful, being grateful is so important with regardless how sick you are, what's going on in your life. And I tell people this all the time too, you can't just wait till something happens to start being positive and to start changing your mindset. Had I not had years of meditating and changing my mindset and being aware of what I was thinking and learning different modalities, I couldn't have just went to it when I was as sick as I was. Like, I don't even remember the first week of being there. So, um, but once I was totally aware of it, and even whenever I was, was that first week, whenever I don't remember much of it, I do remember like constantly asking myself, why am I getting healthier every day? Why am I getting healthier every day? Right? So it's these types of mindsets that that whenever you are, whenever you cultivate them, when 
you are facing a crisis, a death, an illness, a divorce, um, a uh, natural disaster, whatever it is you're facing, you're so much better equipped to fall into the positivity, which is going to help you not only go through it, but it's going to help you heal from it faster. Lots to think about. Yes. So, so again, what does all this have to do with business and being visible online? You know, it's, it's how you show up with your visibility. Your own personal mindset has so much to do with how you're showing up and what you're saying. I say a lot of people play hide and seek with visibility. And why do we play hide and seek? You really want to be successful. You want to have this successful online business. And you show up and you do videos and you're putting your writing out there and you're talking to people. But something in your life happens and you may not even realize what it is. And these old stories that you've been telling yourself, I'm not worthy. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. Um, I'm having a bad hair day. Whatever it is, keeps you from being consistently showing up. So now you're trying to hide something. So you're showing up, but you're not being fully authentic. And people can see right through that. Uh, whenever you look on any of the social media, especially Facebook, right? But we think these people have perfect lives, but they don't. And even if we know better, sometimes we can fall into that. And so we start beating ourselves up and we're thinking, you know, all these... <laughs> All these other experts have these perfect lives. They never fight with their husbands. They never, they never have financial problems. They never get sick, right? So these perfect lives, they have, you know, millions of dollars and perfect lives. And logically, we know it's not true, but this is how we're projecting these people. And so now we start comparing ourselves to them. Well, I'm not good enough because I'm not pretty as pretty as them. I'm not as rich as them. I can, I don't say the same things you do. Uh, one of my first mentors, I just I love this woman to death. But one of the things that attracted me to her is how many mistakes she makes and how she just shares them and tells people tells people what she does, right? And so first time I heard her, I thought, wow. She's not perfect and she's a multi six figure coach. So that means I can be one too. And it really let go of me of all this. I have to be perfect. And whenever we get in that, I have to be perfect mode. We start hiding. We still may be showing up, but we're hiding. We put on like a half mask, you know, like everybody's watched those, uh, you know, shows are like on New Year's where the people have like these half masks on. That's how you're showing up. And so then you're not saying things exactly the way you think them or you're trying to be too perfect. So people are hearing you, but they're not trusting you and they don't believe you because they're like, there's something off. They don't know quite what's off. There's something off. So I'm not going to listen to this person because, you know, hey, they may be interesting, but I just don't trust them for whatever reason. We have all experienced this with so many people, with preachers, with people we meet, just all of us, you know, we have this first impression, like something about them that's not quite right, right? There's something off uh, with politicians, with um, celebrities, with everybody, right? We are drawn to different people, but we all have this like inner knowing whenever somebody is pretending or acting like there's somebody they're not. So it's learning to be vulnerable and show people who you are and tell you that one of the most traumatic experiences for me ever was after COVID, um, if you are running a high, if you run a high fever for a long period of time, you can lose your hair. And it's not just COVID, it's other diseases too. A lot of people don't realize that you can lose your hair when you get COVID. Now, I went, I lost 95% of my hair um, in what, April, May, maybe even June. I know on Mother's Day, like I didn't have any hair. I bought a wig. I never felt like I was me in my wig, but I wore it because, hey, that was better than being bald. I didn't want to show up on Zoom bald. I did have hats. I wore hats a lot, but even with the hats. So then I'm like looking like a, a cancer patient. It really gave me a lot of empathy for cancer patients and people going through chemo that do lose their hair. 
because I never realized until this happened to me how much my hair was part of my identity. And uh, and so thank goodness it's growing back now, but I don't like short hair. And I know most of you can't see me, but I have very short hair now. But hey, I have hair, yay. So it's going in the right direction. But what I did to overcome this, because I really wanted just to hide. I wanted to hide so bad. Uh, I did not want to show up on Zoom. I didn't want people to see me with no hair. It was just really bad. But I thought, I, I'm if I try to, if I put on the wig and just act like it's my real hair and act like nothing's wrong, people are going to sense something's off. I'm being a phony. Because I was very uncomfortable. Even wearing the wig, I was very uncomfortable. So what's the best thing to do whenever you're feeling uncomfortable? Put the elephant out in the room. Let people know what's going on. So I posted pictures on Facebook of my bald head. Uh, every time I spoke or went on Zoom, I would go, yeah, man, I lost all my hair due to COVID. Thank God for wigs. I'm very grateful that I have this wig. So right away, if people knew that, hey, if I was feeling uncomfortable, they knew why I was feeling uncomfortable. If they sensed something was off about me, they would know because I just told them what it was. And this is showing up, this is being a little bit vulnerable. This is showing up um, confidently and letting your community, letting people know who you really are. You don't have to share your deepest, darkest secrets. Some people share more than others. I tend to share more than others, but I know people that like share a thousand times more than I do, right? Like say things that I would never share. And then I know very successful entrepreneurs that hardly share anything at all about their personal lives. But even though they don't share a lot about their personal lives, they're still vulnerable and share things in other ways. For instance, one thing a lot of people are afraid of are the people, the haters. Let's call them the haters, right? So we all have the haters. But whenever you have a hater, instead of running and hiding, you need to pick back up and go. Now, I, I think I wrote a blog post, but I know I've written emails about it, is is a fatal mistake. There's only one fatal mistake that you can make in your business, and that's quitting. Nobody else can do that. But if you decide that you're going to leave, but when I came up with this, it was the first time I was a divorce coach, as I said, I wrote an article about friends with benefits. And Huffington Post asked me to be on their face, Huffington Post Live with three other experts. And so I'm sharing like my viewpoints and things. And then all of a sudden they are promoting this episode. Certified divorce coach Cindy Holbrook tells all of her clients to find a friend with benefits. I was mortified. I thought, oh my God, that's not what I said. I was like, I literally, literally like went to bed and stayed in bed for three days. Because what I said, and there's a difference, plan words here, but there's definitely a difference. I tell all of my clients, it's better to find a friend with benefits than to have multiple one night stands, okay? Two different meanings for those things, like night and day meanings. But I'm like, I was misquoted by Huffington Post. Who wants to be misquoted by Huffington Post, right? Nobody. And I did, I went to bed and I was thinking this was like, probably within a year of leaving social services. And I remember crying, thinking my business is dead. Nobody's never going to hire me again. I'm just like, I might as well go back to work for social services, but I don't want to go back to work there because it was killing my spirit. And I mean, I just like cried my eyes out. I was just horrified that having the post misquoted me. So after three days, I gained my composure. So I go online and I had like, tons of requests of people that wanted to talk to me that they resonated with me on the uh, during the show and I couldn't read all the comments because I probably had 70% of negative comments and 30% positive but there were a lot of people that did hear what I said and it really gave my business a huge 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 boost um, being on Huffington Post so had I chosen to stay in bed, that would have been the fatal mistake, right? But instead, when things happen to you, 
you have to be willing to share it. So these people who may not be sharing everything about their personal life, they're sharing with you the crappy parts about being in business <laughs> and the feelings that go along with it. Um, you know, I earlier I shared about my hair now. I was really feeling good, like I am being so authentic and I'm having all these people tell me, oh, I love your authenticity and you're so vulnerable, Cindy. And thank you for sharing, you know, like your COVID journey with us and all this stuff. And I send a, an email to my list and I get this email back. You are the most unauthentic, phony person I've ever seen. And I was like, no, 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 right? And I was just like, I was pissed. I was pissed off. I was pissed off, but I was also hurt, you know, the combination. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like feeling it. And so all these thoughts are going in my head. Like I wrote her all kinds of emails in my head that weren't so nice, that weren't so professional. But what I was doing was I was allowing myself to feel the pain. And then I checked my email and she never unsubscribed from my list. And I thought, why is she hating on me? And she's not even unsubscribing from my list. Like this person has problems. They just want to hate on somebody. So I unsubscribed her from my list. Within 10 minutes of unsubscribing her from my list, I got an email. Thank you for sharing this, Cindy. You're so authentic. You're one of the most authentic people I've seen. And I was like, yeah, that's more like it. That's more like it, right? But you have to be willing to share these bad parts about what happened to you. If you're a relationship coach, share the crap that you did. Uh, when I was a divorce coach, <laughs> I shared this so often with people. We are so hard on ourselves because of these dirty, ugly thoughts we have in our head. And especially whenever you're going through a divorce and a breakup, man, you have lots of ugly thoughts. But I was very religious at that time. And when I was with Earl, and my church kept telling me if I left Earl that I would burn in hell forever. Well, I didn't want to burn in hell forever, right? And I really wanted out of this marriage. So I prayed and fasted for seven days that he died. Like I literally did that. And see, so there I'm being vulnerable. So even when I was a relationship, I was sharing my vulnerabilities and the not so pretty side of me with my community. And this is how you're being fully visible. This is how you're being authentic. Don't be afraid to let people see who you are, your hurts, your pains, your anger, your frustrations, your fears, because this is what's connecting your clients to you. This is what's going to bring you flocks of your ideal paying clients. It's not by trying to hide all this stuff. And that's how we play hide and seek. We try to hide all this stuff thinking we are supposed to be perfect to have other people work with us. And the opposite is true. We have to be vulnerable. We have to share. And that goes really quick with outrageous confidence. Outrageous means to do something bold and startling. Doesn't have to mean that it was bold and startling to the entire world but it has to be bold and startling for you to do it. Me posting my bald head pictures on Facebook was a very bold move. But what that did was that helped increase my confidence. And so every single time you do something like that, it increases your confidence. Believe me, you're never going to be 100% confident. Confidence is something you choose to be. And it's a choice. And it's a state of being. It's not a place that you ever arrive. It's saying, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to do the very best I can. I am confident that every time I share my story or I talk with somebody that I'm being the very best I can right at that moment in time. Yeah, I I love your <laughs> on on the vulnerability and just being real and raw and authentic, and people relate to our flaws. Mm -hmm. That's how they relate to it. And I remember years ago, I was teaching my first online course, and I had sixty five women in this online course, and I had those those beliefs, like makeup has to be on point. I need to look put together. I'm the leader and I'm representing and all these things. And, but there was so much going on. I had to show up first mm -hmm. thing in the morning, the way I was, you know, and I got feedback immediately. Like, 
I love how real you are. I love how you just show up. You, you know, and I got, and I was, it gave me permission to be more myself. Mm-hmm. And when we see people being authentic and sharing their hair journeys or weight loss journeys, it does give us permission. And same thing with the things we say too, just being bold in our personality gives yeah. other women permission to be bold. So I, and I not really- just women, men too. Yeah. I mean, I really find, I find it sad. I find it so sad that for years, and I do know there's still people out there that sort of go along with this, where men were supposed to be so strong and unemotional and not share their feelings, which has created a lot of very unhappy men out there that are still trying to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. That's the whole a whole topic. I know you work more with women. I prefer working with women. I don't even want to. I I work, you know, I work, (laughs) I work with more women than men, but I I do work with men. I love men and I love, uh, I love learning. Like they're not really that much different than women with their feelings and their emotions. They just deal with it differently or they try to hide it more in a different way. (laughs) They do. And I have worked with men, um, Mm -hmm. not a lot of them just by choice, but when they are really desiring those that mm-hmm. deep change and shifts, um, they they can they yeah. can get there too. <laughs> and we do love them. I just we really love, love them. <laughs> I understand a woman. <laughs> and it's um, fine. I I um, in two thousand sixteen, I went to an event. It was Bill Barron's big shift. Bill Barron's not in the realm anymore, but he, the very huge well-known marketer and he would attract 800 or more people to his events at this particular event. There's like, I know there's 880 registrants. I'm not quite for sure how many people was in the room, but on the third day he did this exercise where he would go, uh, he had obviously cleared off all the tables and all the chairs and everybody stood on one wall. And he said, if I say statement, if it's true for you, take a step forward. So it was to show us that we're all the same, right? We've all had problems. The statements were, I've been lied to. I've lied to other people. I've been hit. I've hit somebody else. I've been bullied. I've bullied somebody else. I've been abused. I know somebody that's been abused, whatever. And I lost it. I was really sobbing during this thing. This gentleman named Eric came up and said, may I hug you? I didn't know this guy. I'd never seen him before, but he goes, may I hug you? This guy was seven foot tall. He was tall, right around seven foot tall. But he sort of became my security blanket as I'm like sobbing and sobbing and I like just look horrible. And so then afterwards, Bill Barron says, does anybody want to share their experience? Now we, Eric and I, were standing way in the back and I told Eric, I want to talk. And so Eric raised his hand. I never would have been seen had I raised my hand, but Eric being simple at all, he was seen. So Bill called on him, which was really me. And Eric went up on stage with me to um because he he just was my security at that point in time and so I started by saying it dawned on me that I've been playing small because I've been afraid to work with big strong men and it was like this huge thing for me and everybody in the audience started to laugh when I said that but then I went on and I said I was sexually, physically, mentally abused by my father, was sexually abused by two family friends, got married to a man much like my father, minus the sexual abuse at 18. And it wasn't until I was 35 that anybody told me my life was my choice. And when Eric asked me if he could, I said, at events, I know that I wore this invisible sign, stay away from me if you're a man. Um, a hug woman I love I'm I'm touchy-feely type person so I was always hugging women talking with them laughing you know no problem women always came to me but men not so much and I know that I had this invisible sign and when Eric asked me if he could hug me something inside of me broke I now realize that something inside of me healed but I did say something inside of me broke a gentleman that was at my lunch table felt inspired to get up on stage and give me a hug. Within two minutes, there are 60 or 70 men surrounding me on stage, giving me pure, unconditional love. And um, I know that a lot of women like to work only with women 
sometimes it's because of something that happened in the past, like such as me. And other times, you know, there's a numerous reasons and other times it's just not. But always ask yourself, why am I choosing to work with the people I'm choosing with? And be okay that that's why you're doing it. I really consciously never realized that I had chose because I was a divorce coach for women. Okay, so I mean, I had a few men clients, sort of like what you're saying, but I was all about women. I didn't want nothing to do with men because because I felt like they were going to stomp on me like a little ant and crush me. And so it took that, that healing for me to evolve and grow and really be able to work with men effectively where I could really help them. Because now I don't feel like they're bigger or stronger or better than me. I don't feel like they're going to crush me. But we've all had experiences. And I also know women who won't work with women for the same reason. Right? That they've been. What I hear you you saying is you might be playing hide and seek. Yes. Yes. What's your clientele based on these beliefs? Because I, I do know women that had horrible mothers that yeah. just used to work with women because of that reason. So always ask yourself, you know, why are you choosing the clientele you're choosing? And, you know, sometimes we just have a really huge, strong desire to help that type of a person, a woman, a, a, a transgender, uh, you know, whatever it might be. I, there's so many, I can't keep up with all the gender things these days, but I know people that work with all the different ones. Now I have worked with all of the above. I have no problem with all of the above. Whereas, but some people would have problems with it. And so it's asking yourself, why am I choosing to work with this subset of people? Is it because of an insecurity? Am I hiding? Or is it just because that's what my spirit desires? That's really what my purpose is. And it could be a combination. Um, it could be a combination. You just have to really do the work and look at it and make sure you're aligned from a place of true spiritual alignment and not Mm -hmm. you're in in there. And I'm sure, you know, hearing you, I'm sure there is a little bit of both for me. I definitely understand women healers. Mm -hmm. I understand how they think, what their issues are. I know how to get them solutions. I know how to get them profit. I am clear. And it's, that's where I'm a genius. Mm -hmm. Um, it's all the same. And I, and I love that. I love it. I mean, I, you know, I absolutely love it, you know, and it was different for me. And I think a lot of times it was just interesting me because I know that subconsciously I decided I was going to work with men because they would crush me, which, you know, was, was different. I do know women who wouldn't work with men because they were, um, uh, they were stalked. So it was like, sometimes it's these heavy things we have to get over. But a lot of times, even though when we get over them, I have seen lots of people still choose to work with whatever, which is fine. Uh, right. Because like you said, it has to be aligned with who you are. A lot of people ask me after I released my book, so are you still going to be the visibility with? I go, yes, I love helping people overcome whatever's keeping them from playing full out, from being fully visible, from being fully authentic. I love helping them overcome that because I know for a fact that you have to overcome that before you can be successful. And success has nothing to do with money and everything to do with how you're living life every day, how you're happy, how you show up in the world in general, how you show up with your kids and your parents and your sisters and your neighbors. And so if you're living life and you're hating it every day, I don't care if you're making $2 million a month, if you're hating life, you're not successful. Mm-mm. No. So here's to being a winner at life and being visible so you can succeed. So thank you for sharing all of, all of your stories, all of your vulnerability and some great tips. I was, I was making notes even as you were talking and I was listening, um, what really stood out to me and, um, resonates with my spirit is just find the beauty in your flaws and be vulnerable. And it can be done through 
you know, bold and startling moves, or it can done, be done quiet in a whisper and mm -hmm. there's no perfection needed. Oh no, don't even try to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, I let it go, let it go, let it go. <laughs> I tell a story about my nephew. He got teeth really young when he was born. He was maybe six months old and he had teeth going every direction. We called him Snaggletooth. Mm -hmm. And that was my favorite favorite thing about my nephew. And it still is to this day. When I think about my nephew, I think about those, his teeth going every direction and his chubby little cheeks and his cute little laugh and the, what somebody might judge from themselves as something tied from or not worthy or not good enough. Other people may find super endearing and fall madly in love with you over it. So you don't know. So you don't get to judge it. You just get to be you and be real and be raw and be a winner. Yes, exactly. Yes. Well, well, I love that story. Uh, and I love that. Yeah, that there's um, a Twilight Zone, the old Twilight Zone shows from the 60s. There's an episode and this woman has her face all wrapped up and you never see like a face during like the first 50, I think there are 20 minute episodes, but you're not seeing a face. And she's like, oh, I hope this works, you know? And so obviously, you know, we knew that she had plastic surgery and she wanted to fit in and look like everybody else. And so then whenever they unwrapped her face, there's this beautiful, beautiful woman and they show her the mirror and she just starts crying. It didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. I'm still so ugly. And then it went to everybody else and everybody else had like pig faces. And it's always one of my favorite episodes because it's like, we all see beauty differently. So she was banned to the people that looked like her. She was banned to somewhere because she wasn't like pig faced, but there she would have been accepted. And there's always some place where we're gonna be accepted. Yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. And I will leave in the description of this episode, how they can, you know, people can get all oh, if um, you can go to cindyjholbrook.com. It's my website. But also, if you know more about feeling worthy of success, um, I want to make sure I'm giving you the right link. It's cindyjholbrook.com forward slash. Um, I'll put it in the description. Um, so we can get it. Feeling worthy of uh, five. Oh, five keys. I think it's five keys. So I just want to make sure I'm giving you the right. Um, yes. Go to cindyjholbrook.com forward slash five keys, K-E-Y-S. And you can pull up five keys to feel worthy of success. And you're going to discover two things that wreak havoc in your confidence and your worth. You'll identify your best self and know how to authentically show up in life and in business and understand how to set and maintain boundaries in life and business. So it's cindyjholbrook.com forward slash five keys. Awesome. Yes, I'll put that also in the description so you can just click on it and make it super simple. Super Thanks simple. For, Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for sharing. This was a great talk and I will see you on the next one. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Christy.